back the dummy and the super interview absolute gold a manky breed utterly ludicrous okay welcome back to the bricks and mortar podcast i'm jonathan williams and i'm your host on the bricks and mortar podcast what's the bricks and mortar podcast well that's a podcast about property in the next 30 or 40 minutes i'm sure we'll be able to float your boats and light your candle if you've got an interest in property if you're buying selling renting or investing then listen on this week's show well this is a show where we talk about the property process and we've taken you through the gamut of what is a residential conveyancing purchase transaction and we've reached the stage where you've got the keys and the bloody shower doesn't work and not only does the shower work the couches that you'd asked for they're not there the light fittings have been changed the doors that you expected every flat to have aren't there and also the boilers on the blink what do you do don't worry i'll tell you what you need to do i'll go through the ramifications the contract the caveats and tell you really what happens in the event that you have to intimate a claim but before we get on to that and this week's show i'll tell you what has been happening in the land of the bricks and mortar podcast i had a super interview with davy hutton for those of you who know davy hutton and, and listen to your commercial radio i think he's got a whole raft of adverts on radio clyde at the moment and he's the man who runs quick sale property you've got to listen to this interview it is absolute gold i'm just carving it up as far as the editing is concerned and there is some really good stuff there so expecting that to come on next week on the video cast side of things i've ordered up all the lighting and that's now arrived the only thing one of those lapel microphones that's been ordered and it's on its way hockey season started uh, amy's had an opportunity of playing for the first team the first two games so they're they're one and one and we've got a game out in Kilmacombe on Saturday so looking forward to that the Taxi Williams is in operation again so on Monday I'm at hockey on Tuesday as I sit here outside Scotston I'm waiting for a number two to finish her athletics and then tomorrow we're back at hockey Thursday we're back at hockey so it really is the taxi Williams I have to say I spend probably more time ferrying them about from this that and the next thing uh, in September October and November but you know what I wouldn't have it any other way the pedal for Scotland was completed on Sunday and that was an incredible weekend I ended up having to go down to Rothmar their landlady has spat the dummy and isn't doing any more handovers or turnarounds for guests so we've had a bit of a, a run there as far as guests are coming down and Muggins here has had to make the six hour 360 mile round trip to stick on my marigolds and stick my, my head down the bog and make sure that uh, everything's flushing and uh, everything is tiggity-boo so that was some weekend ended up going down there on the Saturday got up and went off to pedal for scotland on the sunday morning and then saturday evening sorry sunday evening was spent looking and doing a turnover a handover for a flat we've got in kelvin bridge i tell you what we've had some students in there in fact we do a lot of the stuff through students but the students are a manky breeder they not i mean i you know i was a student back in the day and i have to say 
I don't think I ever left a flat as bad as that. I don't think that they knew how to operate any of the electrical appliances, let alone the Hoover. I don't know what they were trying to grow in the in the fridge. Um, it had oh just manky. It was just I just I tell you, even thinking about it gives me the dry bog. It was utterly awful. <laughs> utterly awful so I've read the riot act with them and uh, I'll make sure we'll be keeping back some money from their from their deposit you know what enough about manky students and and letting uh, I guess we might do a a podcast about the the actual letting side of things that might be something to look at but we're not going to talk about lettings today we're going to talk about what are you going to do when the boiler isn't working you've got your keys On the Friday, the boiler breaks down on the Saturday. What on earth are you going to do? Back in the day when I had my legal hat on, there was nothing worse than getting that nine o'clock phone call on a Monday morning from your client who on the Friday was full of the joys, can't wait to move into their new property, got the keys, you did the, um, that's great, super, thanks, etc, etc. You've done a great job. And then you get the call on Monday to say, the boiler's on the brink. And I tell you, my heart always sinks because I know that is going to potentially be a big issue to get that, that resolved. What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the defects and the timescales and everything that is involved in intimating a defect after you have completed the transaction. I could tell you so many stories about clients phoning me up after completion and saying the boiler's not working, the shower doesn't work. You even find that the couches that were meant to be included in the purchase price have mysteriously done a walkabout. One of the two best stories I had were, in fact, this was, I guess, the day before settlement. And my client had, for whatever reason, decided to go round to the flat only to to see the owner of the property removing these beautiful tenement, wooden tenement, four panel doors and replacing them with the cheapest B&Q tat that you could ever have have seen. I've never come across that uh, since and had never come across that before. But the temerity of an owner thinking that they can remove the doors and replace them just absolutely beggars belief. The other story I had, and I was reminded of this story a couple of weeks back, where the the we were buying the property we'd paid an absolute king's ransom for the property I think we might have been 15 20 grand over the home report value you would have thought would you not that the seller would have been over the moon and you would have thought that uh, they would have left the light fittings you would have thought that they would have left the um, fireplace grate you would have thought that they would have left the um, the coal scuttle and all the ironmongery that goes along with the fireplace. But no, these people were tight as get out. And not only did they take all the ironmongery associated with the fireplace, 
they decided to take the light fittings and replace them and we ended up in a, a hell of an argument legal argument about whether a chandelier was a fixture in a f or, or a fitting or whether a light fitting was a fitting or a fixture uh, it ended up in court small claims court and we had a great outcome uh, we didn't represent the clients who ended up just doing the, the case themselves but what they ended up what ended up happening was I think that the the husband was so appalled at the behaviour of his partner that he just stood on the, the steps of the court and, and asked my client, how much do you want just to, to make this go away? And the reason why he wrote that cheque was because the purchaser has certain rights and we go back to the contract. And what I'm going to talk about here is I'm going to talk about the contract I'm going to talk about the sort of caveats and the get-outs that sellers potentially have and then I'll tell you what you really want to know which is what really happens at the coalface because it's all very well having the contract in place and waving that magical mis concluded missive saying I've got this right and I've got that right but if the seller sticks their head in the sand what the heck can you do? So listen, let's talk about the contract first of all Let's talk about electrical items. Let's talk about the boiler. A vast majority of issues come because the boiler goes on the blink. It always amazes me that for what must surely be for a seller, a boiler working absolutely fine and then suddenly the sell the property, the new purchaser comes in and lo and behold, the boiler goes on the blink. I do not know how many times that that has happened and really it is, if there is going to be that call at nine o'clock on the morning, uh, on Monday morning, then a vast majority of the times it will be because the boiler's on the blink. So you've got seven days, if you're using the, the Scottish Standard clauses, as most of the solicitors do, you're looking at a seven day period in which to intimate any defects. Okay, so that's from the day that you pick up the keys, you've got seven days in which to intimate a defect. So if the central heating system is not working, if any of the appliances um, are not working, then phone your solicitor on the Monday and intimate that the uh, whatever item that is not working make sure that you intimate that you've got to be acting reasonably um, and there is a get out that the seller has insofar as there's the phrase commensurate with its age and type so ultimately it has to be working and if it's not working then you've got a good solid claim against the against the seller but if it's not if it's if it is working but it's just inefficient then the seller will be able to hide up hide behind the the phrase commensurate with its age and type if you're buying a property and the boiler's 10 years old you can't expect the boiler to be working as if it was a new boiler yeah you're buying a property with a 10 year old boiler and it will work like a 10 year old boiler you're relying upon the survey and the whole contract is reliant upon the survey okay so 
you you're very much buyer beware and you rely upon the survey so you need to look at the survey and ultimately if the if there's uh, if the survey um points something out to you then in all likelihood it's not the seller that you're going to be making a claim against it will be the surveyor listen i'll come back to you in connection with that but let's talk about caveats we've talked about the contract there you've got seven days in which to intimate any defects that's probably the most important thing let's talk about caveats these are the get outs that the seller possibly has the first get out is that there is a de minimis i'm liking the latin today i have to say the de minimis level so really what this is saying is that the contract the seller doesn't be what doesn't want to be bothered with 30 pound claims here 40 pound claims here and so there's a de minimis level which generally is around about 250 pounds and that's accumulation of of costs okay so if you have something that adds up to under 250 pounds or your one claim adds up to under 250 pounds then you ain't got a claim okay unfortunately that's just a rough and tumble of buying a property in scotland and some of my clients as purchasers get pissed off about that but ultimately you will get the benefit of that clause when you come to sell so swings and roundabouts that's the de minimis of 250 pounds you will not have a successful claim if your claim is under 250 pounds the other thing to be aware of is that your claim may not be against the seller well you'd be thinking how the hell's that i've contracted with the seller i'm buying the property from the seller surely any claim is against the seller well not necessarily you're relying upon the survey okay and if the surveyor misses something the seller will hide behind caveat emptior again another nice little latin phrase thrown in there for you and that really means buyer be buyer beware so the seller is saying well listen you've had the benefit of a survey and you've got to trust that the survey has been carried out properly and has detailed any defects in the property you can't turn round and then claim against me if it was the surveyor's fault that he hasn't picked something up so on numerous occasions i've come across a situ situations where it's in fact the surveyor that we have to sue rather than the seller for example if there's nothing in the um, the survey which mentions dry rot wet rot dampness etc you as a purchaser go in thinking well that's fine i won't have any problems you then get into the property and it smells damp or there's spores coming out and you say to the seller listen hold on here i'm suing you for eight thousand pounds worth of timber treatment works because you sold me a pup the seller turns around and says well no that's not the case you had the survey and if the survey didn't pick that up then you're going to have to go and sue the surveyor because clearly the surveyor hasn't done his job properly now you would have thought that that's an open and shut case but very rarely is it an open and shut case in dealing with the with the surveyors but 
in some respects you're better going after the surveyors because they've got deeper pockets insofar as that they have got indemnity insurance and if they've dropped the ball in a survey then you should be making the claim against against them having said that if the seller has specifically tried to hide something so that the surveyor cannot see the defect then that is an incredibly grey area because you'll then sue the surveyor the the surveyor said well the seller then covered something up and the surveyor will then hide behind their terms and conditions and say well you know a reasonable surveyor would not have picked that up because it was hidden from us then you've probably got to go back and talk to the seller and say why did you hide the hole in the bath with a bath mat why did you try and hide the uh, hole in the double glazed window with a for sale sign you may think and those are actual cases that I've come across where the seller had had definitely tried to hide something from the surveyor and ultimately the purchaser of the property and in those cases then I think that you've got uh, a reasonable chance of getting a success against the seller. Now this is of course assuming that the seller is going to play ball, the seller is going to reply to the emails that are sent to him or her by his or her solicitor and what a great number of times happens is that the seller just sticks their head in the sand they've probably got a purchase that they that they've done and they're more interested in starting or they're they're more interested in getting on with their purchase so what i want to talk about now is what happens on the coal face so I get the call let's say I'm acting for the purchaser I get the call on Monday morning I say the client tells me that say the boiler's on the blink I then have to intimate in writing to the seller that in terms of clause whatever the clause is in terms of the missives I'm intimating a defect and we're holding their client liable Um, please get the matter rectified to our client's satisfaction So what tends to then happen is that the seller gets given an opportunity of rectifying the situation uh, within a seven-day period. If, however, it is an emergency, then my client, the purchaser, can have the work carried out. You've got to hope that the seller plays ball and they want to have the work carried out. The problem is that access can be an issue and before long you can easily go past the seven-day period for their tradesmen to rectify the issue and so there comes along a bit of a standoff that nobody knows who's going to be doing the work ultimately what's probably going to end up happening and what happens a great deal of the time is that the purchaser ends up having to carry out the work themselves and then intimate that claim to the seller And then we get in the situation of, again, if the seller hasn't been communicative with their solicitor, 
then the chances of them being communicative when they've got money to pay are probably less so. Then you've got the issue of do you sue them? And if you sue them, if you sue them on the small claims or a summary cause, you are limited as to how much you can claim back from the seller in the event that you are successful. Your legal fees mean that if you're taking a a seller to the small claims court then the chances of you recovering your costs if you instruct a, a, a solicitor are very very small. I told you the story there about the the clients who ended up suing because they hadn't been given the light fittings that they were uh, that they had uh, contracted to get and they didn't get the ironmongery either. Uh, clients ended up suing them and admittedly that one settled on the uh, the court steps but I remember vividly back 20 or so years ago when I was a trainee and I was involved in a transaction where they were fighting about a, a it was a bathroom cabinet I kid you not this was a property in Rothsey it was a bathroom cabinet. I mean, and it wasn't even a special bathroom cabinet. And I remember the partner at the time having to represent his client at Rothsey Sheriff Court for, what would it be, an £80 bathroom cabinet. It was utterly ludicrous. So you've got to, I think, as a purchaser, you know, is it worth a candle is it worth the fight? You know, the stresses and if you thought the stresses and strains of buying and selling a property were high, you wait until you're on your pins in front of the sheriff trying to explain a case. Um, you know, for somebody who's untrained, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. So you, you have to work out, is it worth your while making a claim? You know, you and, and this is where the emotion of the the court action really comes in and, and you've really got to sometimes step back and say you know what I'm the bigger man here I know that you're in the wrong but you know I've got better things to do with my life and I'm afraid to say that sometimes the law's an ass and and you don't get justice I have to say uh, you know if the seller refuses to pay you end up having to sue the seller. Even if you get a piece of paper, a decree from the sheriff, you've still got to implement that. And if the seller doesn't want to pay, then what are you going to do? Are you going to sequestrate the seller? I'm sure that happens, but goodness gracious, you know, you've you've got to try and move on. Now, that's all very well if it's a small, you know, kitchen cabinet or a light fitting you know, some of these issues can run to thousands of pounds and that's when you have the dilemma that it becomes emotional tied up with the cost and that's where, as I say to anybody who listens to me about court actions, taking a court action on board is like being stuck in a taxi where you don't know the destination and you can't get out and the clock is ticking. And all you're seeing is that Catherine wheel of a meter zipping through the tens, the twenties, the hundreds, the thousands, all for an £80 cabinet. So you really need to be sure that you want to take on the court action.
Now, you need to make sure that you intimate on time. Ultimately, if you intimate to your solicitor within the seven-day period that you want to intimate a claim, that the solicitor is then duty-bound to do that. And if the solicitor drops the ball and intimates it late, then you've got a claim against that solicitor, your solicitor. Um, but if you do not intimate the claim to your solicitor for him to intimate to the other side within the seven days, then hell mend you because you've had seven days to intimate. And I do sometimes get times where clients have waited and they claim that the central heating system worked for five days and then on the sixth day it broke down. Yes, you can intimate that, but ultimately the contract is all about does it work on the date of entry? And you know what, hand on heart, you've got to say if it works in the date of entry, then that's fine. If it doesn't work, if it works in the date of entry and breaks down three days in, then really there is no claim there. But I am sure that that there are purchasers out there who do make that claim and, and are successful. But really, the contract is all about making that claim a couple of days after the date of entry because your central heating system is not working or the, ele the, the electric shower isn't working. I've mentioned there about making the claim against the seller and the seller holding their hands up and saying, well, caveat, caveat empty or that's nothing to do with me. Go and sue your surveyor. It's Sometimes it can be good to sue your surveyor because you can end up, because they've got indemnity insurance, they may well roll over, especially if they have dropped the ball um, and not picked up something that is 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 basic. Um, ultimately, they will look at what a reasonable surveyor should have done and if the reasonable surveyor should have picked up the rot, the damp um, or alterations that had been carried out without documentation, then you're likely to get a payout from, from the surveyors. So that's what happens on the coalface and that's the, the hard facts and reality of the situation with regards to intimating a defect. I do hope that you have found that of use. It is something that it does unfortunately happen from time to time uh, and I do hope that uh, in the circumstances you get matters resolved. As I said to you earlier, one of the big issues is very much down to boilers and what I very much advocate is don't leave it to chance. Get your plumber, gas safety um, chappie to go out before settlement. You're always better getting the boiler looked at if the seller will allow the boiler to be looked at before completion. At least then you've got a better chance of having a, a, a sensible discussion with the seller and hopefully the seller will play ball and make sure that any issues are rectified before you take the keys. So I've got three things here that are the most important things to take from this. First of all, you've got seven days to intimate a defect. Seven days, make sure you intimate as soon as you know that there is an issue. Test everything on the date of entry. 
you've got your de minimis £250. Again, you need to make sure that any costs are going to be in excess of £250. Otherwise, that's your issue to look for. And finally, what you've got to look at doing is that if the seller sticks their head in the sand and doesn't sort the matter out, you have to, in order to sue the seller, you have to incur the cost. So you have to then get the repair carried out and then sue the seller and hopefully you don't end up in court. So hopefully that's been useful. Okay, we're going to walk you to the exit now. That's us wrapped up another episode of the Bricks and Mortar podcast. The video casts I'm hoping are going to be out in the next couple of weeks. As I say, all of the equipment has arrived, so it's going to be interesting just to see how we put all that together. We're on the usual channels as far as the social media is concerned, so you can look us up on the uh, on the the space bar for Facebook type in on the space bar the bricks and mortar podcast and you'll come up and you can join us on the facebooks we're on the twitters j williams underscore bb you can catch me on linkedin delighted to have a chat to you on that and if you've got any legal queries or any queries in connection with mortgages or protection then delighted to have a chat with you offline just ping me an email to jonathan williams at begleybrown.co.uk as i say next week to look forward to we've got our interview with davy hutton i'm just back in fact today sitting in the car park at at the Athletic Stadium at Scotston. I'm just back from a seminar that was done by 360 and we had a chap by the name of a Danish chap by the name of Jan Bowen Nielsen and he did a super talk on building rapport and uh, meeting clients and how to engage with clients and I went and had a chat with him because he was talking about triathlon which I'm a big fan of and he was talking about some cricket during his speech. So I thought, well, my two great passions are cricket and triathlon. And I decided to go up and have a natter with him. And I just thought, you know what, I'll be a bit cheeky and see if he wants to come on to the show. And he's initially said yes. So we should be able to get him on. And I think you'll find what he has to say quite illuminating. We were doing the changeovers in the flats. And as I say, um, I cannot tell you how manky this place was and end up spending four or five hours trying to get the place sorted out. So September is always a busy time with the students coming back to Glasgow. So over the next couple of weeks, we should have a wee bit more time to devote to the video cast. I've ordered up some banners. These are these um, spring loaded banners. So you'll be able to see those on the video cast. I'm off now to pick up number two from the Athletics at Scotston. I'm going to wrap it up. You've been listening to the Bricks and Mortar podcast. What's that all about? Well, it's a sideways look at property. <laughs>